obviously, like, I didn't grow up in the 30s. I had the internet. <laughs> I knew that queer people were a thing, yeah. objectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as Isaac kind of says in the book, there's a difference between, like, knowing that queer people exist and thinking that it's possible to exist in the context that you grow up in. And so uh, that was something I really wanted to explore with. They're called the the Triple L Society, these, yeah. this group of, of older and elder queers. Um, I think... Yeah, I wanted to both explore the fact that queer people have always existed in these sorts of settings, even rural places, even conservative religious places. And then I also just wanted to kind of write hopefully into this idea of different generations of queer people connecting, because I think uh, even in a lovely queer urban center like Halifax, um, connections between different generations of queers doesn't always happen. And Mm so I wanted to explore what that might look like in this book. Wonder World is the story of a man named Isaac who returns to the Manitoba Mennonite community that scorned him a decade previous. As he grapples with the loss that brought him there, he learns new information about his past and his community that reframes his entire adolescence and possibly his future. Halifax author K.R. Bigden is my guest this week to discuss the development of their first novel, exploring queerness in a rural place, and how much is based on their real life. I'm Tara Thorne. And this is the Tideline. Welcome to this week's show and happy Easter to those who celebrate. I personally celebrate Cheap Candy Day, which is, of course, the day after Easter on Monday. And I will fight you in the shoppers. Congratulations to all the theater folks who picked up merit awards a few nights back. Big winners included Frequencies by Heist, Schoolhouse by Two Planks and a Passion, and Controlled Damage by Neptune Theater. Halifax resident Bahamas, did you know? is doing a casual three-night stand at the Rebecca Cohen Auditorium beginning tonight and running through Saturday. There are a tiny handful of tickets remaining. And Bedford's own Scratch Bastid is hosting Great Friday at the Marquee tomorrow, along with DJs Double A and Duvet. That's a big old foil-covered holiday dance party. Please wear a mask. I'm begging you. You're not going to regret it. Aquaculture's first album as a member of the Forward Music Group stable drops this summer, but the first single is fresh out today. From the forthcoming LP out July 22nd, here's Don't Trip.
KR, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Tara. So, you know, the question that we all ask about novels, literature, songs, movies, anything that we write, <laughs> how much of this comes from your own life? I knew that question was coming. <laughs> right out of the uh, gate. Let's just hit it. Uh, yeah, I think it's very safe to say that the setting is one I'm very intimately familiar with. The book is primarily set in a place called Newfield, Manitoba in southeastern Manitoba. I grew up in a place called Niverville, Manitoba. Uh, I don't know if you can see the connection there, but there might be a little <laughs> bit of one. Um, so yeah, I would say I definitely drew on my experiences growing up to to write this book. Okay, and um, I also I always wonder, you know, why a novel form? Like, what mm. what 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 did you want to explore within this particular form? Yeah, that's a great question because I do love to write short stories, but um, I think there was just a lot. Uh, to process from from growing up in the place that I did, uh, that I wanted to do artistically with this work. And so, um, yeah, I think a novel just made sense because of that long form, the chance to spend some good quality time with the same characters, mm -hmm. follow that journey and, and see where it led me. Um, and so Isaac is um, uh, a pastor's kid, and mm -hmm. he gets kicked out of his church when his dad finds out he's gay. Now, you don't use the phrase excommunicated, which maybe they don't use that in <laughs> Mennonite. I, I don't know. I mean, like, shunning is definitely a thing. Um, but, yeah, I think there's an interesting thing that happens sometimes where language might evolve to the mm -hmm. point where we don't necessarily use shunning or excommunication. But the actions of the people uh, are the same as they have been maybe for decades or centuries. So that was what I was trying to get across was, like, these sorts of um, isolations and breakups of family mm -hmm. do still sometimes occur even if if different language is being used or if, if circumstances are being used or, or different circumstances rather. And um, if you're okay with me asking, did this happen to you? Like, is this a, a thing that you experienced? Uh, no, uh, but certainly the intersection of, of Mennonite theology and queerness is mm. something that I experienced. I, I went to um, Mennonite churches growing up. I remember some of the debates, uh, not just about inclusion of queer people in churches, but even just like, do we want to have women up at the front of the church doing anything other than silently playing piano. Let's right. let's talk about that. And maybe maybe let's have some intense conversations about that. So um yeah, those sorts of the the scenario might not have happened to me. Right. But I could definitely, you know, it's drawn from experiences that that I've had and seen happening in southeastern Manitoba for sure. And when Isaac goes back, he realizes that there are there were queer people all around him that he didn't mm. recognize growing up because they were par partially because he was so repressed, they were so repressed, and now it's a different time, so they're able to be not out in the way that you'd be in an urban center, but but certainly out for the area. Um, is that a, something that you experienced too? Like, did you grow up thinking you're the only one, and now you realize, looking back, you realize it was a, it was a lot more complicated? Yeah, I think um, that's definitely something that that I experienced, and and what was strange was like. Obviously, like I didn't grow up in the 30s. I had the internet. <laughs> I knew that queer people were a thing, yeah. objectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as Isaac kind of says in the book, there's a difference between like knowing that queer people exist and thinking that it's possible to exist in the context that you grow up in. And so uh, that was something I really wanted to explore with. They're called the the Triple L Society, these, yeah. this group of, of older and elder queers. Um, I think, yeah, I wanted to both explore the fact that 
queer people have always existed in these sorts of settings, even rural places, even conservative religious places. And then I also just wanted to kind of write hopefully into this idea of different generations of queer people connecting, because I think uh, even in a lovely queer urban center like Halifax, um, connections between different generations of queers doesn't always happen. And Mm so I wanted to explore what that might look like in this book. Yeah. Yeah, and you do a really great job of it. And and Isaac starts off so lonely and sad Mm. and then realizes... The place that he doesn't want to go the most is actually where everyone is. Yeah. Um, my partner uh, did not read the book until it was uh, published and, 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 you know, out there in paperback. Wow. Um, but she said when she was reading the section, she was like, Halifax seems like a really sad place. Like, I, <laughs> that kind of hurt my heart. And I had to say, well, well, I, j- just remember, this is Isaac's story, not my story. <laughs> and I think um, I did want to tell a narrative of someone who finds um, queer belonging in a rural conservative space. Um, and so I love Halifax. I've, mm-hmm. you know, I've been here for years and it's a beautiful silly city, but, uh, for Isaac, the place that he finds belonging is in Newfield. Um, the way you describe, the way you describe Halifax in the opening <laughs> yep. scene setting is, yeah, it makes it, it's, it is sad, but it's like accurate. You know, like, there's water stains. My apartment sucks. Mm-hmm. I pay too much. Yeah. Um. You know. Uh. You know. I've been here for ten years. I feel like I haven't made an impact. Like all those things that you can feel as as someone here. Yeah, and I think just like, um, I think. My partner and I uh, visited Nova Scotia a lot uh, in our early years together. Um, she's from Nova Scotia originally, um, but I definitely found a very different vibe from I'm here in Nova Scotia to visit to I'm here in Nova Scotia to live. And I find particularly with Halifax, I just didn't realize until I moved here how much of a transient place it is. Mm. Like there's that beautiful movement of people that happens every year with universities where you're like, you're here from Los Angeles, you're here from New York. <laughs> this is amazing. Hello, welcome. Uh, but then just as quickly people yeah. move away. And so that was really um, a bit challenging to adjust to when I first moved here was realizing that, you know, you kind of have to experience those friendships and connections in the moment because you never know when someone else might be moving away. And the pandemic has put such a different spin on that, hasn't mm. it? Where a bunch of people came home right? and some of them have stayed, but I've noticed that a lot of them are starting to eject back out. <laughs> I may have predicted this was going to happen. <laughs> I don't know. When I heard there's like, you know, there's people from Toronto moving to the South Shore. I'm like, good for you. I love the South Shore. I would absolutely move there. I'm not so sure if you're going to realize, you know, in three or four years that maybe South Shore isn't the same vibe as, you know, uh, Young Street. So. Yeah, I, I had a, I've had a friend who was a realtor and she's, she there was a, t- a week where she said, you know, I keep getting people from Toronto buying houses in the valley sight unseen. And then mm-hmm. they move here and they call me and they're like, the internet sucks and there's no restaurants. Right. This isn't like, what did, I saw on the did, iPad yeah, when I bought you, this house. Did like, you what? not Google the area? <laughs> did you think amenities would come with you? Right, right. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so um, tell me about your time with the Writers' Federation of Nova Scotia and how it fits into yeah, the writing of this. So that really, um, the Writers' Fed launched my career, obviously, um, with the mentorship program that I was part of, the Alistair McLeod mentorship program. Um, I 
yeah, I was starting to get a little bit more serious about stories. I was wanting to to start sending at least short stories out in the world to see if they could be published. And so I thought, you know, I might as well join this Writers' Federation thing, see what it's all about. Um, I took some workshops, uh, got some really excellent advice um, on on writing and, and how to, you know, they've got very practical workshops too of like, here's how to submit, here's how to handle rejection, all, here's how to build a website as an author, all these sorts of things. So when I saw the opportunity for the uh, mentorship program, I thought, you know, I'll apply. Um, let's see what happens. Um, but then, yeah, my manuscript was was picked up and uh, I was paired with uh, Jacqueline Dumas, um, who's a lovely um, author uh, and queer woman from Edmonton originally, now lives in Nova Scotia. And we got to spend months together just pouring over the story and uh, taking it to the next level. And that is really, I think, yeah, what launched me into being able to turn it from an idea into a fully fledged story that could be published. What was the core idea? Like, what did you give Jacqueline to start? So I actually, I did have, I did have a draft of the manuscript. Wow, cool. Yeah. So I worked on that between around August to December of 2018. And then our mentorship started in 2019. Um, so we actually, we did two full rewrites of the manuscript together between January and I think April 2019. Mm-hmm. So it was a time. Right. Um, but that was really like I've had various different passions and interests in my life. Um, but they often fall by the wayside because turns out passions and interests take time to, right. to work on. They also don't um, pay. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, but with writing, I was like, okay, this is something I'm willing to, you know, spend uh, all of my weekends on staying up till midnight, uh, you know, writing wherever and whenever I can. Uh, and so it was great to have that that process so early on in the manuscript's existence with Jacqueline to say, you know, this is what is required. This is the time and effort required. And you need to know that this manuscript editing process is something you're going to go over time and time and time again until you are satisfied with it or at least willing to let it go and be published. Um, right. So, yeah, just that work ethic was something that I really appreciated that she helped me develop. Yeah. And was there another? Did you go to Banff? You went somewhere else? I did. Yeah. yeah. So uh, again, it's a it's technically a Writers Federation connection because Jacqueline uh, messaged me on Facebook and said, "Look, there's this Banff Center thing happening. Um, it's the Emerging Writers uh, Intensive. You'll be there for ten days with writers all across the country working on your craft and your manuscript." And I was like, "Okay, very cool. Thank you. There's absolutely no way that I'm going to be accepted to that, so I'll just leave that on the back burner." <laughs> and then I saw that Joshua Whitehead was going to be the faculty member uh, that that I could be working with. Um, And I just, I'm such a fan of his work. Uh, Johnny Appleseed. I feel like there's this whole, uh, my my writing friends and I have been talking about, like there needs to be a subgenre of like, a uh, small town queer goes back to Manitoba and <laughs> deals with their shit. Like, I don't know what to call that genre, but I feel like Johnny Appleseed fits in there as mm-hmm. does this book. And so I saw that that Joshua was going to be there and I was like, I, I need to apply. And amazingly, he picked my manuscript up and said, yes, please come along to Banff. So that was an amazing experience. So what did the actual day-to-day look like at, at out there at Banff? Because um, I've never really understood these intensives. It's like, what do you do when you go there? I don't get it. Right. You write. Okay. It's, oh, good. It's a crazy uh, philosophy. Uh, but yeah, it was beautiful to have just 10 days to sit down there and write. We had different kinds of cohorts. So there were folks there who were poets, short story writers, creative nonfiction writers. And then uh, myself, I was part of the novelist group. And so you get time both together as a large group, even just at mealtime 
sometimes to like sit down and talk to other people about writing. It's amazing uh, what that can do to spark ideas. You're in these these beautiful mountains. Uh, and then you also got um, dedicated time to talk about your manuscripts with your uh, novelist cohort who, um, yeah, I grew quite close to those lovely folks in mm-hmm. the 10 days we were together. I cannot wait for all of their manuscripts to be published and to be cheering them on uh, because they're all fabulous writers as well. Is it the kind of thing, now I've done this in a screenwriting capacity mm. where you read everyone's thing and then you go around and you give notes like live in a group? Yes. Oh, how was, how was that process for you? <laughs> well, yeah, we had the uh, gag order in place. So for those who aren't <laughs> familiar with workshopping, typically it's like, let's all talk about your work, maybe shit on it a bit, maybe, maybe give you a couple of compliments and you can't say anything anything. So that was um, a lovely enlightening experience to Mm -hmm. just have to sit there. But it was also very useful to like hear this is how your work is coming across because it's one thing to say like no this is what I mean for my writing to do or this is this is what you miss but it's like it does matter what your readers are hearing from your work and so that feedback was really valuable mm-hmm. and how how is the actual writing process for you I wrote a book last year that's mm. coming out in the fall and I avoided it to the bitter end like I wrote <laughs> another movie instead of writing the book yeah just to not do it I feel those vibes yeah like it's it's and, and at one point I screamed at myself only you can get you out of this like Mm -hmm. you're just pushing off the inevitable how's the actual writing process for you especially digging into these big themes that i'm sure you want to handle sensitively um and and are are kind of real big ideas yeah well i mean one interesting thing is that like this story I, i was writing it while in halifax and so very little of the book takes place in halifax i obviously didn't incorporate that but i was having to think about uh manitoba and my life growing up there while writing here so that was a challenge another challenge was that uh during the pandemic i decided to go back to school so i was a student full-time working on you know an honors project and full-time classes and then oh also hey uh we'd love to publish your manuscript said my lovely publisher and i said great what does that entail and they said a lot a lot a lot of editing Mm -hmm. and i was like great wonderful i totally have free time for that (laughs) (laughs) um we haven't talked about the actual wonder world aspect of it which is that isaac inherits basically this farm that used to be sort Mm -hmm. of a a, a amusement park isn't the right thing game farm is what it's technically called it's kind of like Like the wildlife park a zoo in the middle of a field Mm -hmm. uh, which there there is a i can't remember the exact name but there was a, a game farm in a community called grunthal which is fairly close to where i grew up in manitoba where yeah there was just kind of like this old farmer who was like hey would you like to see lions and giraffes in grunthal wandering through these fields Mm -hmm. please come Mm -hmm. and i thought uh that's such a strange and interesting setting uh to to have these these animals from so far away you know in the middle of the prairies and um I think when I was writing, uh, Wonderworld kind of became symbolic of of Isaac's own journey to connect with the community of he is someone that at first glance, a lot of people might assume you don't belong in this community, you are exotic or foreign to who we are and what we are. But as we see by the end of the book, um, Isaac really does have a place in Newfield. So mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to parallel that that journey with the with the farm and then also Isaac's journey too. Um, I... If you consider this a spoiler, we'll cut it. But, um, you know, Isaac kind of gets this idea at a certain point to make Wonderworld kind of like a queer uh, camp, like a, like, a, like a refuge. Yeah, for, a retreat for, center. Yeah, yeah, but you don't actually get into it in the book. Like, are you setting yourself up for, you know, the Wonderworld novelistic universe? Oh, um, telling Isaac's story up to this point mm-hmm. has taken mm-hmm. a lot out of me. Mm-hmm. And I also think... Sometimes, I don't know about you, but there are certain sequels sometimes where 
things are kind of wrapped up nice in a bow in the first in the first book and you're like okay i'm happy with where these characters are and i can mm-hmm. envision them in the future and then the writer comes back and it's just like jk we're gonna like <laughs> put this person through the ringer again right. make it even worse up the stakes and uh i frankly don't know if i want to do that to isaac so right. it's you know i'm never gonna say never there, it's possible i might return to the story but i really do like uh where isaac leaves his story with the reader mm-hmm. i was just talking about this the other day did you see tick tick boom mm, it's not. it's um uh, lin-manuel miranda i'm sorry I know, dork alert. Directed <laughs> it. It's on Netflix. Uh, Andrew Garfield was nominated for an Oscar, but uh, he plays um, the guy who wrote Rent. Mm. Um, and in the so the whole movie is about him doing this workshop production and like getting Stephen Sondheim there, and he mm-hmm. does it. And then he calls his agent the next day, and he's like, "What did Stephen Sondheim say?" And she says, "It's Judith Light." She says. <laughs> Um, they can't wait to see what you do next. And he's like, what? (laughs) Yeah, I'm already pouring my heart and soul into this. Yeah. And she's like, that's what writing is. On to the next thing. So so when I saw that, I was like, I'm going to stop asking people what their next Mm -hmm. thing is. And I just did it to you. (laughs) But you did it so kindly. But only because it did feel set up to continue. But Uh I guess, I think that's always, I think that's always a a great uh, uh, entertainment uh, literature experience is Mm. when you want more. I yeah. think that's good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I don't know if this is like an offensive question, like where we like let's let we can't have a story if the lady doesn't have a love interest. But like, <laughs> there's no um kind of romantic angle till the very very end. Yeah, was that conscious? That was that was. Um, yeah, for Isaac as someone who is pansexual, um, and has certainly uh, lovely experiences while growing up in Newfield and also in Halifax, uh, exploring his sexuality. I also was curious about the possibilities of writing a queer book where queer characters explore um, aspects not only of their sexuality, but just other aspects of who they are. Mm -hmm. And I think queerness is such a a complex uh, and beautiful identity. Um, And so, yeah, I think it was a little intentional to just say, what does it look like to be a queer person in this space? Mm -hmm. Uh, And all the assumptions that come from other people with that, um, even if you're not in a in a relationship. So um, certainly, I'm I'm very happy with where Isaac ends up without giving any way mm-hmm, any spoilers. No spoilers yeah. But um, yeah, it was intentional. Cool. Um, so tell me, you've got um, you're about to go to Winnipeg. Winnipeg. And I hear the weather is not so great there. Yep. So apparently, you know, just. No big deal. They're having like the worst blizzard in decades. It's supposed cool. to start in like mid April. Yeah, it's supposed to start today and go through till Friday okay. or maybe July. We don't really know. <laughs> um, so yeah, that will be curious. I seem to be bringing the storm with me mm-hmm. to Manitoba, but hopefully it will turn out okay. <laughs> so is when you go back to when you go there, will will there be your family and friends and people that you grew up with? Theoretically, in the audience, and, yes, how, do you fe- and how do you feel about that? Uh, yeah, that's something I've been thinking about because um, I think it's one thing to connect with folks when they already understand you as a non-binary person, as a queer person, um, and and share your work with them from that perspective. It's a whole other kettle of worms. I don't know, can of fish uh, to <laughs> to be with your friends and family that you've grown up with, um, who knew you before you were 
you know, before I was really feeling comfortable to share those aspects of myself. So, uh, yeah, it's really curious. It'll be, I'm really curious about how it will turn out, but at the same time, I've already, you know, I've heard from a number of readers that I grew up with and that know me from, from when I was a small child that have said some very lovely and positive things about the book. So that's really nice. Okay, cool. Well then I feel like now's a good time to hear some of it. Mm, yes, absolutely. So, Simply because you brought Halifax up. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking. <laughs> yes, please. Please. I, uh, yes. I was thinking I might, you know, do a little bit of that. Yeah, I so, love it. Uh, yeah. So in this section, it's right at the beginning of the, uh, beginning of the book. Uh, and Isaac has just heard that his grandfather has passed away from his father, Abe, um, through a phone call. And he's contemplating about you know, his last 10 years in Halifax, how that's gone for him, and uh, whether or not he wants to return back to Newfield. And should note that he, that's the first time he's spoken to his father. That's the first time in 10 years. Absolutely. All right, here we go. Sooner or later, everyone leaves the East Coast for greener pastures. Fort Mac or Montreal, or maybe London if their parents are rich. The good London, I mean. Across the pond. Not the one in Ontario that feels like Winnipeg, only sadder, which any Manitoban can tell you is a pretty remarkable achievement. There's too much turnover here for someone like me who grew up in a place of deep-rooted prejudice and tradition. Menoland is nothing if not stagnant. My people have been farming their little corner of the prairies for generations, and their lives are just as cyclical as the growing season. Birth, drudgery, self-denial, death, repeat. With the next generation, that is. Menos definitely don't believe in reincarnation. One go around our kind of life is already more than most of us can take. The power lines buzz with nervous energy as I navigate Sobe's soggy parking lot. Feels like I've got the city to myself the whole way back to the moldering North End apartment I share with two randos I've taken to calling Bud and Dude because I can't remember their actual names. I could check the lease, I guess, but there's a good chance none of us are on it. My landlord's not a real stickler when it comes to stuff like paperwork or maintenance. All he cares about is collecting our rent each month. Which reminds me, I really should order some more checks. The kind that don't bounce. There's a veritable smorgasbord of all-you-can-pray holy houses sandwiched between the grocery store and my place. The Orthodox Church with its shiny copper roof. The Buddhist temple painted construction vest orange and guarded by two stone lions. The tidy red brick mosque that hosts the polling station I've forgotten to vote at during the last couple of elections. Whatever the Jehovah's Witnesses call the place they gather on weekends before heading out in pairs and offering doorside salvation services to hungover Haligonians paying penance for last night's beer and donairs. This neighborhood couldn't be more different from the town I grew up in, which only had one place to worship. I suppose technically there was also the United Church, but ever since word got out their minister leads her congregation in a version of the Lord's Prayer that begins, Our Father and Mother, who art in heaven, the place has been considered Ecclesia non grata by most locals. Celestial gender bending is most decidedly frowned upon by the all-male leadership team at NMC, the Mennonite Brethren Church on Main Street in Newfield where Abe pastors. Friend and foe alike have piled into that sanctuary every Sunday for as long as our town has existed. Even if we'd been arguing on Saturday, even if we'd be talking behind each other's backs on Monday. Because our Jesus didn't get involved with those petty spats. He was looking at the big picture. The point was to make an effort once a week. 
Put on a smile and some nice clothes and plunk yourself in a pew for all to see so you could be counted as one of the faithful. Awesome. I mean, that's my neighborhood too. You're describing it, so I know it's. I know that special Sobeys. bonus points if anyone can figure out what Which... street Windsor Street that it's on. <laughs> um. So this book is out tomorrow. Yes. Where can we get it? So many lovely places around the city. Thank you for asking, Tara. Um. It will be at Venus Envy. Mm-hmm. It will be at Bookmark. It will be at King's Co-op Bookstore. Uh, the Flotation Center has sure. a couple of copies. Excellent. Because uh, there are lovely folks who offer to do that um yeah general bookstores around the city all the cool locals love it and your uh your event your halifax event is april 30th tell me about that yes absolutely so it's going to be really lovely it's april 30th at the dalhousie student union on the second floor council chambers there um francesca ekuyasi will be there author of butter honey pig bread to Mm -hmm. do a reading and i'll also be chatting with the lovely folks at venus envy about the book there'll be an opportunity um to have your book signed for me if you so wish to ask questions if you so wish uh yeah 7 p.m april 30th. Amazing. The book is Wonder World. K.R. Bigden. Thanks so much. Thank you. And good luck in the snowstorm. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> Take care. is engineered by Palmer Jamison at the Golden Palm and produced by the Halifax Examiner.